today we want to continue with the series on being led by the Spirit of God. And we've seen so far in this series is that um, the primary way that the Lord leads all of His saints under the New Testament is by the inward witness of the Holy Spirit who resides within each one of His saints. And we had a look in the previous teaching about the fact that God our Father is a consuming fire. Um, the scripture in the book of Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. And we saw that the, the light of God is in fact uh, produced by the fire of God that is within him. And we saw that as born-again believers, our spirits are set on fire by God. And so the, the, the light that is within us is in fact the fire of Almighty God. And um, we saw that we're meant to uh, fan the flames of our spirits and increase the the, the anointing in our spirits and the, the, the fire that burns within our spirits and it is through um, being filled with the spirit and spending time in the word of God that in fact uh, the flames of our the fire that is within our spirits does in fact grow stronger and that anointing increases and we said that God actually also uses that as an avenue to guide us for as we are as we walk in closer fellowship with Him, so we walk more in the light, and um, the, uh, the, the fire of our spirits will begin to burn stronger. And that is just another way that the Lord is able to lead us by our spirits on the inside of us, because there is that tangible um, heat that is felt in the spirit of the born-again believer as they walk more and more in the perfect will of God. And um, you can go back over, over the teaching of that, uh, in the previous teaching, and just pick up on the points that we raised. We're not going to go through those points again. Today we want to have a look at uh, how God does lead us uh, through the ministry gift of the prophet. Um, and so the primary way that the Lord leads the saints under the New Testament is through the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit within our spirits, as the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits as to what His will is for our lives, we have this knowing on the inside of us, we have the peace on the inside of us um, regarding the course of action that we're wanting to take, if it is in line with the will of God. If we said if it's outside of the will of God for our lives, well then we will not have peace, we will not have a rest in our spirits. We will have this um, kind of check in our spirits not to do that. And then we had a look at the previous teaching that the, the more in fellowship we walk with the Lord, the closer in fellowship we walk with the Lord. So our spirits will begin to burn stronger, and thus we can also know that we're walking then in the perfect will of God for our lives. But the Lord does have uh, the ministry gift of the prophet in the church as well. Under the Old Covenant, the primary way that the saints were led uh, by God is they would go to the Old Testament prophet. They would go to the seer there and under the Old Covenant. Before prophets were called prophets, they were called seers. Now, the reason that they were called seers was because the prophet would be able to see and know things supernaturally because they operated in the revelation gifts of the Spirit. Um, the revelation gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And so the scripture tells us that if anybody wanted to inquire of the Lord, they would say, let us go up to the seer to go and inquire of God. And so that is that was the primary way that the Old Testament saints uh, under the Old Covenant, receive counsel and guidance from God. They would have to go to the prophet 
because again, as we said, the Old Testament saints did not have the Spirit of God residing on the inside of them, uh, did not have uh, the Spirit of God upon them. They, they had no contact with the Spirit of God at all. It was only the king, the prophet, and the priest who had the Holy Spirit residing on them, uh, enabling them to stand in their offices. And so it was the prophet who had the anointing of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating through their ministries, which would enable them to inquire of God on behalf of the saints. So if any saint under the Old Covenant wanted to find out what God was uh, in, um, instructing them to do, um, the, the family decision was being made, should they move to Jerusalem for argument's sake, they would go to the prophet, they would take an offering to the prophet, they would inquire of him. The prophet would then uh, inquire of God and bring back the word of the Lord to the saint, say, thus saith the Lord. And then God would tell them what his counsel was, and then the saint would then either be obedient or disobedient, which is obviously up to the saint. But that's how the saint would get guidance from the Lord. Under the new covenant, it changes dramatically because now the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of the saint themselves. And so the saint doesn't go to the prophet anymore to get guidance from the prophet because the saint looks to God himself who dwells within us. And that's where we get our guidance from. Nevertheless, the, the, the ministry gift of the prophet still exists under the new covenant. That, that ministry gift has not been done away with. And so there is an aspect of the prophet's ministry that is still applicable uh, in the church age. And that aspect uh, obviously is, is, is pretty wide and we're not going to have a look at all aspects of the prophet's ministry today. But we wanted to look at the, the aspect of the guidance aspect of the ministry of the prophet. And so the scripture we can pick up uh, on that issue is in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13. And the scripture says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so here we see very plainly that we do under the new covenant, had the ministry gift of the prophets still in the earth today. But what is different is that there are five main ministry gifts in the church age, and that is the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Under the old covenant was just the prophet. There was no apostle, there were no evangelists, there were no pastors, and there were no teachers. But under the new covenant, we have these five main ministry gifts. And the prophet is one of them. And so the prophet uh, ministry is applicable under the church age. But what is not applicable under the church age is that the prophet's ministry does not enjoy the same status as the prophet's ministry under the old covenant did because of the fact that there are now these five ministry gifts um, and also because of the fact that the saints are not counseled to go to the prophet to inquire of the Lord as to what the, uh, the Lord's counsel is for them. Um, and so that's a, that's a major difference between the prophet under the Old Covenant and the prophet under the New Covenant. Under the New Covenant in the New Testament, um, it, uh, Old Covenant was very plain. The scripture is very plain that if you wanted to have counsel from God, you went to the prophet. You had to. You had no other way of getting to know what God's will was for your life. But under the New Covenant, in, in the New Testament, 
there is not one place recorded where the saints are instructed to go to the prophet to inquire of God as to what God's counsel is for their lives. And the reason for that is, is because very plainly, as we've discussed so far in this series, is that God himself dwells on the inside of the saint. And so God expects the saint to develop their own relationship with him. You know, we hear this uh, proclaimed very often in the church, that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And that's correct, because we are born again. And the, we're born of God. God becomes our Father. We become His children. And so, and our Lord Jesus Christ is our older brother. And the Lord Himself said, God and I will take up residence on the inside of you. And so, it is up to the saint to... Uh, develop and enjoy a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God the Father. And so we don't go to another man to find out from God what God's counsel is. We go directly to God because God himself dwells within each one of us. And so that's the primary method and God guides his saints under the new covenant. And so as I say, in the New Testament, there is no place there's no example given of any saint who went to a prophet to get guidance from the prophet. And there is no instruction anywhere that tells the saint to go to the prophet to get guidance from the Lord. Because that is um, an Old Testament practice. And we're not to bring Old Testament practices into the New Covenant. Because we're to operate differently under the New Covenant. Nevertheless the ministry gift of the prophet is still available to the church. And so we need to understand from the aspect of receiving guidance through this ministry gift, how it is that uh, God has ordained that the saints under the new covenant are to receive guidance through the ministry gift of the prophet. Now the way that the, the, the ministry gift of the prophet uh, gives guidance, I've alluded to it already, is through the revelation gifts. There are nine spiritual gifts listed for us in the book of Corinthians. There's uh, the three power gifts, which is the gift of special faith, uh, the gift of the working of miracles, and the gifts of healings. All of those three gifts display the power of God. Then there are the speaking gifts, which is the gift of prophecy, um, the gift of diverse kind of tongues, and the gift of the interpretation of tongues. All of those gifts speak forth the word of God. And then there are the three revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Now, all of those gifts reveal something to the church. And so, when a prophet operates in this uh, aspect of their ministry, and it's only a part of the prophet's ministry, it's not his full ministry, um, or her full ministry, but it is uh, a, a part of, the, uh, of that the prophet's ministry that we're dealing with in today's series because the teaching is being led by the Spirit of God. And so we wanted to understand how it is that the prophet's ministry also is used of the Lord to assist the saint to be led by the Spirit of God. And so when the, the prophet is used of God to speak into the life of the saint and say, thus saith the Lord, because that still does happen, um, it is through the uh, spiritual gifts of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Those three gifts are made manifest through the prophet's ministry in order to give guidance to the church. Because it does happen that the prophet is used of the Lord under the new covenant to give guidance to his church. But what is unscriptural 
is for the church to go to the prophet to seek guidance from the prophet. That's where uh, a lot of Christians miss it because they think that because there are prophets in the church and that the prophet in the church operates in exactly the same manner as the prophet under the old covenant. And so you want to find out what God wants to do with and say, speak into your life, well, go attend one of the prophet's meetings and he will speak into your life. Um, but that is unscriptural. We don't do that under the new covenant. Um, but nevertheless, God does use that avenue to speak into the lives of his saints. So we need to understand how it is that God actually does tie that all up under the new covenant. Um, because it does seem to contradict what I've just said. I said we don't go to the prophet uh, as we do under the old, as they did under the old covenant. But nevertheless, the prophet does speak into our lives. God uses the prophet to speak into our lives. The way that it operates under the new covenant is that the prophet gets sent to the saint. A saint doesn't go to the prophet. So how, do, how does that work? Well, it works in this way because there's not a lot of prophets in the church, and so. When the saint comes into the presence of the prophet, there can be times when God will then use the prophet to speak into the life of that saint. But we're going to go through an example in Scripture, New Testament, um, because this example is very illustrative to us of how this aspect of, aspect of the prophet's ministry actually does um, is made manifest in the church today. And so we're going to have a look at an account of the Apostle Paul and how he was led through the prophet's ministry. And that will just give us a very uh, clear understanding of just how we're meant to interact with the prophet's ministry regarding this aspect of their ministry, the guidance aspect of their ministry under the new covenant. Now, we need to understand that the Apostle Paul um, was always led by the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit that um, the Apostle Paul taught us that we're to be led by the Holy Spirit um, in the book of Romans and in Galatians, that we're to be led by the Spirit of God. And so the Apostle Paul practiced what he preached, and he's the one who taught us that we're meant to be led by the Spirit of God under the New Covenant. And so the Apostle Paul was always led by the Spirit of God. Um, in his letters, he, he says that you know he does nothing um, in the flesh. He is always led by the Spirit and that's evidenced to us when they were seeking as to where to go preach the gospel. Um, uh, Timothy was part of his team at that time and they were trying to get, go into Asia and the Spirit of God said no you can't go there. They tried to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of God said no you can't go in there and then eventually the Spirit of the Lord led Paul to go to um, to Macedonia, yeah, because they went to Philippi to go preach the gospel there. And so Paul was always led by the Holy Spirit in everything that he did. He never made a decision, and I'm talking about uh, obviously a, a major decision. Where, Lord, where do you want me to go preach the gospel? Um, he never made that type of a decision without consulting the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit. So in that context, we can now look at the example given to us in Scripture on how just how the Apostle Paul was led by the Spirit of God. And we pick up the account in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. And the Scripture says, When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, 
after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So in context, what has happened here, this is Paul speaking while he's still in the church of Ephesus. His time at the church of Ephesus is drawn to a close. He's been there for three years. And the Bible teaches us that everybody in Asia got to hear the gospel through Paul's ministry from Ephesus. He had that uh, much of an impact on Asia in preaching the gospel. But now the Spirit of the Lord impresses upon Paul that his time is drawn to a close in Ephesus. And he says... Paul purposed in the spirit after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem saying after I have been there I must also see Rome and so the Holy Spirit had impressed upon Paul Paul I want you to now go to Jerusalem Um, after you've been to Jerusalem I want you to go to Rome and so that was Paul's plan Paul had picked that up he purposed it in his spirit he he, um, perceived in his spirit that that was the will of the Lord for him. His time at Ephesus was over. He was to go to Jerusalem. And going, in going to Jerusalem, he was going to go via um, Macedonia and Achaia. He was going to go on a roundabout route and then move on to Jerusalem. After he had been in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit had impressed upon Paul that he ultimately wanted him to go to Rome as well. So that is the, the, the jumping off point of Paul's... Um, leaving of the church of Ephesus because he's purposed in the spirit to go via Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem and after he's been in Jerusalem he's going to go to Rome and all of that he's received from the Holy Spirit now the Holy Spirit hasn't told him how this is all going to happen the Holy Spirit has just impressed upon Paul this is what is going to happen you're going to go to Jerusalem and after Jerusalem you're going to go on to Rome But there's more to it than that, because while the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus, he actually writes to the church in Rome, and he informs them about the fact that he's going to be coming to them. And then he mentions some more. And so let's just read what he writes to the church at Rome, and we can then get more insight as to how Paul actually is led by the Spirit of God and what the Holy Spirit has in fact revealed to him prior to him ever even leaving the church at Ephesus. And we pick that account up in Romans chapter 15, beginning at verse 23. Um, This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, But now no longer having a place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you. Uh, You can see that at the opening of his letter to uh, the, the church at Rome. He'd always pray, Lord, you know, if there's any way in your will that you can fit me in to go to Rome, I'd really like to go there. And so now Paul's prayer is basically being answered. Verse 24, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. So now we see there's even more that the Holy Spirit has um, impressed upon Paul. He's to go to Jerusalem. He's to go from there to Rome. And after Rome, the Holy Spirit had impressed upon Paul that he was going to go to Spain. And so all of that did transpire, if you look at the, 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 the life of the Apostle Paul. He says, um, For I hope to see you on my journey, and to be helped on my way there, talking about Spain, by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. But now, I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed 
and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and sealed to them this fruit, talking about Jerusalem, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now look at verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. And so Paul, in writing to the church of Rome, he writes from the church at Ephesus that he's on his way to Jerusalem. After Jerusalem, he then is going to be coming to visit them in Rome. And after Rome, he's going to be moving on to go to Spain. And Paul did go to Spain. There is evidence, historical evidence about the fact that Paul preached the gospel in Spain. And so Paul knows, the Holy Spirit has impressed upon Paul, this is your agenda, basically. Now, what the Holy Spirit does not reveal to Paul is the timeline that this is going to take. Because what actually happens, and all of this transpires, but it takes Paul two years, just over two years, to get to Rome. And after that, uh, Paul spends two years in Rome and then only moving on to Spain. So it was only four years later that Paul goes to Spain. But the, the Holy Spirit reveals all of this to Paul right up front. Doesn't give him the timeline, just says, this is your kind of your schedule that I've put out for you. You're going to go to Jerusalem. After Jerusalem, you're going to go to Rome. After Rome, you're going to go to Spain. So Paul knows all of this. He just doesn't know God's timeline in it. And we know in hindsight what the timeline worked out to be roughly four years. But what Paul also knows at this time is in verse 30, he says to the church at Rome, he says, Now I beg you, brethren, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. And so the Holy Spirit has impressed upon Paul that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's in for a rough time. And that's why he says to the church of Rome, guys, I need you to be praying for me. Um, because the people in Judea, most of them did not believe. They were unbelievers. There was the, uh, quite a large church in Jerusalem, but even a large church in the city of Jerusalem was minuscule in comparison to the population of, of Jerusalem. And so that's why Paul says, I need your prayers in going there, because the Holy Spirit had impressed upon Paul that when he got to Jerusalem, that he was going to incur a rough time from the unbelievers. And that's why he said, I need you guys to be praying for me, that I will be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. So all of that Paul knows up front before he even leaves the church at Ephesus. He's still ministering in the church of Ephesus at that time. And so the Holy Spirit has, has revealed all of that to Paul in his spirit. He knows all of that in his spirit. He doesn't know detail. He just knows, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome, and I'm going to Spain. I know when I get to Jerusalem, it's going to be a rough ride for me, and so I'm asking you guys to pray for me, uh, that the Lord will deliver me from the, the unbelievers in that city. So that's what Paul knows as he now leaves Ephesus on his roundabout route to get to Jerusalem, because he wants to go through Macedonia and Achaia to just 
encourage those churches and then he's going to go on to Jerusalem from there. And so now we pick up actually what transpired in Paul's um, journey through this, the churches, the cities, obviously of Macedonia and Achaia. Now obviously Paul visits those churches in those cities. And so we pick up what transpires on Paul's journey in this passage of scripture. Because let's read it and then I'll elaborate on it. And that's in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. Again, now this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit. Again, there's Paul talking about bound in the Spirit. Earlier he spoke about purpose in, in the Spirit. But now he's saying, I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. So the Holy Spirit hasn't given him a full detailed description of what's going to take place. Except this in verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. So what is transpired here in context for this passage is that the Apostle Paul has been through the church. He's left Ephesus. He's been through the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, um, strengthening them. And now he's on his way directly to Jerusalem. In going to Jerusalem, he bypasses Ephesus. He doesn't want to go back to the church at Ephesus. He stops off at the town of Miletus. Now, when he's there, he calls for the elders of the church of Ephesus to come down to him in the town of Miletus. And in this passage that I've just read now, he is now speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And in context, you can see, you can read the passage yourself, uh, Paul recognizes the Holy Spirit has impressed upon him. He doesn't, sh you know, he does share it with them that this will be the last time they will see the Apostle Paul in this life. They will never see him again in this life. And again, if you go and look at the, the, the life of Paul, um, he goes from Jerusalem to Rome. He's, you know, he's, been, he's two years um, in, held in captivity in, um, in Judea, basically. Then he goes to Rome, he's held in captivity there for two years. Then he goes to Spain, and then he comes back to the churches in Asia, and they turn their backs on him. He never gets into the churches in Asia again. He then goes on to uh, Achaia, and he goes to Macedonia, and he goes back to Rome. That's kind of Paul's um, journeys in a nutshell from this point onwards. But he never once goes back to Ephesus ever again. And so he says to them, you guys are not going to see me again in this life. Now, that pretty much upsets him. You go read the account, they're all in tears about the whole issue. But that's a bit of an aside. But the point that I wanted to bring out from this passage here is that in every church that Paul visited in Macedonia and Achaia on his way to Jerusalem, this is what happens. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. So what does that mean? That means that there were prophets in those churches. Not all of them, most probably, but there was certainly the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the of spirits being made manifest in those churches. In all of the churches that Paul planted, the gifts of the Spirit were made manifest, because Paul taught on the gifts of the Spirit in all of the churches that he planted. The church in Corinth, we have a detailed breakdown of the, the teaching that Paul taught, but he did not only teach the church at Corinth, he taught every church how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. So when Paul visits those churches, the saints in those churches and those who have prophetic gifts in those churches are operating in those gifts. 
And so while Paul visits the church, one or two of the prophets would get up and say to Paul, Thus saith the Lord. And what they would say to him every time, by the Holy Spirit, is that, Paul, chains and tribulations are waiting you in Jerusalem. That's the, the message that they received. So in, in every case, Paul, because he says in every city, the Holy Spirit testified this. And so in every case, it was a word of knowledge that was imparted to the, the Apostle Paul. Because a word of wisdom is, is an instruction from the Lord as to what we're meant to do. A word of knowledge is, uh, is now a word given to us from the Lord about what is going to happen or what um, primarily what is going to happen. And so here the Holy Spirit is telling the Apostle Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, chains and tribulations await you. That's a word of knowledge. There's no word of wisdom imparted to the, the Apostle Paul, uh, i.e. the Holy Spirit saying to the Apostle Paul, I don't want you to go to Jerusalem because if you go there, chains and tribulations await you. Not at all. Every single um, utterance given to the Apostle Paul in his journeys is a word of knowledge. And that word of knowledge is Paul, chains and tribulations await you. Now, Paul already knew that because Paul, before he even left the church at Ephesus, asked the church at Rome to pray for him because he, he had perceived in his own spirit that when he gets to the church in Jerusalem, he's in for a rough ride. Now, what the Holy Spirit does in all of the churches that uh, the Apostle Paul visits is the Holy Spirit just again confirms in each one of them, Paul, you're in for a rough ride. And so the Holy Spirit is just preparing his saint, his apostle, for the tribulation that awaits him. The Holy Spirit is not counseling him, I don't want you to go there. Because before, again, let's go all the way back to the start. Before Paul ever even leaves Ephesus, the Holy Spirit impresses upon Paul, this is your agenda, this is what I want you to do. You to go to Jerusalem. After you've been in Jerusalem, you will go to Rome. After you've been in Rome, you will go to Spain. And so Paul knows all of that. And the Holy Spirit does impress upon Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, you're in for a rough ride. So the Holy Spirit is in all of this confirming to his apostle what he already knows. So none of it is new revelation to the apostle Paul. All of it is confirmation of what the Holy Spirit has already revealed to the Apostle Paul himself directly. And so Paul doesn't, when he goes to the churches, say to the prophets in those churches, won't you please just give me a word, what should I do, what shouldn't I do? Not at all. He just visits those churches. The Holy Spirit of his own initiates the gift of the word of knowledge to be displayed and speak into the life of Paul. Paul, when you get to Jerusalem, I'm just reminding you, this is a paraphrase of the Holy Spirit speaking, I'm just reminding you that when you get there, you're, you're um, going to be encountering change and tribulations. And so he's preparing his apostle for that which is coming. That's, that's the gist of what Paul is saying. That's why he says, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, because the Spirit of God was leading him there and warning him all the time, when he gets there, what to expect once he, got, once he got there. So at no time does the Holy Spirit say to him, Paul, I don't want you to go, because when you get there, if you do go, you're in for a rough time. So rather stay away from that. Don't go. And it's not the Holy Spirit's counsel at all. The Holy Spirit is telling him what to expect. So he's preparing his apostle. Now we go on to the next account. Because now we have an account of a, a prophet that, that we know about in Scripture, and that is the prophet Agabus. He's the only one in, in the New Testament that we see operating as a prophet 
in the gifts of the prophet. We saw there's another account where the prophet Agabus stands up and he prophesies that there's going to be a famine in the whole earth. And that's what actually transpired. But in this account, the prophet comes directly to the Apostle Paul. Agabus comes down from the city of Jerusalem to the Apostle Paul to give him a direct word from the Lord. Now remember, as I said at the onset, under the new covenant, the saint doesn't go to the prophet, the prophet comes to the saint. And so in, in explaining that, when we go into a church meeting, if there's a prophet in the meeting and God wants to speak to us through that prophet, well then he will. But we don't go to the, to the prophet and say, listen, I'm here today, can you give me a word from the Lord? That's not how God operates. We go to the church meeting because we want to fellowship with the saints, worship God and hear the word of God. Now, in that meeting, it may be that God moves upon a prophet that's in that meeting to come across to the saint or call the saint out and say, thus saith the Lord. That, that is God's prerogative and he can and he does do that under the new covenant. But it's not a case that because we know there's an, a prophet in that particular church, that we go to that church and then we go to the prophet and say, won't you please give me a word from the Lord? That's not how God operates under the new covenant. And so in this case over here, the Apostle Paul is in the, uh, the town of Caesarea. He's staying with Philip the Evangelist. You can go look at the account in Scripture. And the prophet Agabus is sent by the Holy Spirit to Paul in this town to give him a word. And let's have, pick it up in Acts chapter 21, verse 10 to 14. Scripture says, And as we stay many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews of Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, this is now Luke writing, and so he's included himself in this comment. When we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when we would, he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. So what has happened here? They're in this town of Caesarea. They're staying with Philip. They've been there for a couple of weeks, actually. Paul's team is with him. Luke is with him. Timothy is there. There's a, there's a whole bunch of his disciples with him. Agabus comes down from Jerusalem. And Agabus is a recognized prophet in the church. Because prior to this, he had stood up and he prophesied about the famine and, in the whole world. And that came to pass. So everybody recognizes Agabus's anointing as a prophet in the church. And so when the prophet comes down and says to Paul, Thus says the Holy Spirit, uh, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. Everybody hearing that prophetic word given by Agabus interprets it as the Holy Spirit counseling Paul not to go. But that's not what the Holy Spirit said at all. The Holy Spirit just once again said to Paul, Paul, you're in for a rough time. And that's what the prophet Agabus does. He doesn't deliver a word of wisdom to the Apostle Paul and say, the Holy Spirit is saying to you not to go. He delivers a word of knowledge to the Apostle Paul, telling him through the, through the Spirit, this is what you can expect. Again, so it's just preparing the Apostle for what is coming his way. 
Paul knows that. And so that's why Paul doesn't misinterpret what the prophet has said. Agabus doesn't misinterpret it because Agabus put, puts it out there purely as it is a word of knowledge. He doesn't say, um, I sense Paul that the Spirit is saying, because this is going to happen, you not to go to Jerusalem. He doesn't say that. He just says, when you get there, this is what's going to happen. That's the word of knowledge. So Agabus gets it right. Paul gets it right. Paul's ministry team kind of get it wrong because they think, well, you know, God's really telling you, Paul, don't go. But Paul understood, no, he must go. And so he was quite willing to go and even to die. He knew he wouldn't die because God had said to him already, I want you off there in, in Rome and I want you off there in Spain. So Paul knew, but he didn't, you know, argue with them on the issue. But eventually everybody just settled down. They realized, okay, Paul knows what he's doing. He's led by the Lord. Uh, the Lord's will will be done. And so that's how the church is meant to interact with the prophetic gift under the new covenant with the office of prophet in this aspect of guidance is that when the prophet speaks into our life it should confirm with us that which we already know and when it does confirm with us that which we already know well then it's just confirmation it's just um, once again helping the saint to recognize that they are in the perfect will of God um, and you know that's just the grace of God that speaks into our lives. Now you must understand, Paul did go through quite a rough time, and they did try to kill him in Jerusalem, but they, they obviously it didn't transpire. But and so that's one of the reasons why God speaks via these other more spectacular ways into the life of the believer when there's a rough path ahead. Um, to prepare the saint for the rough path that they're going to be going on, and that's why God spoke in this manner to the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul already knew what was coming his way, and so all of the words given to him were confirmation of that which he already knew. And so he didn't have to deviate from his path because he knew that he was walking as God called him to walk. But this is where the, the prophetic gift can be misused, and we need to now be aware of that. And this is the example given to us the same account, but now a different prophetic utterance given. And we pick it up in Acts 21, verses 3 and 4. So, the same <clears throat> situation. Uh, Paul and his team have passed through these, the, the, the churches in Macedonia and Archaea. They had all spoken into Paul's life that chains and tribulations await him. Uh, he knew that. They had said that. He was quite prepared for that. They get to the church at Tyre. And the, the gift of the Spirit is made manifest, but it is diluted. It, it is given in the wrong form. And we pick it up. Let's, let's look, read the account. Scripture says, When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul, through the Spirit, not to go up to Jerusalem. So here we go. This is why we have to be led by the Spirit on the inside of our spirits. Because under the New Covenant, let's just go a, a, a slight digression that will help us to understand. The, the prophet under the Old Covenant heard the audible voice of God. No one else did. Only the prophet heard it. And that's, what, that's why the prophet would hear what God said and then the prophet would repeat Thus saith the Lord. 
And so the prophet under the Old Covenant very never got it wrong. The reason he never got it wrong because he would audibly hear God say, tell my, my servant I must do that. And so the prophet would say, thus saith the Lord, you must do that. Very difficult when God speaks audibly into your ear, say this to the person, for you to go say something else. Especially if you're a prophet serving God, you're going to say exactly what God said to say. And so the prophet under the Old Covenant doesn't get it wrong because the prophet under the Old Covenant is hearing the audible voice of God. Now, it's only the prophet who heard the voice of God, not anybody else standing next to them. Um, that's how God operated. Under the New Covenant, very seldom does the prophet hear the audible voice of God. Very, very, very seldom. Maybe a couple of times in their lifetime. But by and large, when the prophet under the New Covenant prophesies and says, Thus saith the Lord, they are being led by the Spirit of God on the inside of them, and they are speaking out that which they perceive in their spirits. They do not hear the audible voice of God say, to the, Tell my saint, do this or don't do that. They don't hear that. They hear on the inside of them the voice of the Lord, a still small voice, or they just perceive it and they in faith speak it out. And they speak, thus saith the Lord. That's how the prophet operates under the new covenant. And so when a prophet operates under the new covenant, because he's not hearing the audible voice of God, it is very possible for the prophet under the new covenant to get it wrong. And that's exactly what happened here in the church at Tyre. They spoke to Paul. They heard from the Holy Spirit. They heard exactly the same word that every other prophet in all the other churches had heard. But they delivered it incorrectly. They delivered it as a word of wisdom. They did not deliver it as a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit had given to them. Because the scripture, the scripture is very plain. The scripture says they told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So why did they do that? Because the prophet in Tyre perceived in his spirit that Paul was in for a rough ride when he got to Jerusalem. But the, what happened is the prophet in Tyre, or the prophets, because it says they, so it might have been more than one, um, they put their own interpretation on what the Holy Spirit was saying. So because they could perceive in their spirit quite rightly that Paul was in for a torrid time when he gets to Jerusalem, they, they interpreted that to mean that the Holy Spirit was warning Paul, don't go. And so they twisted the word to become a word of wisdom. Now they didn't do that deliberately from the point of view of they wanted Paul to miss God. Their intentions were good. They wanted to protect Paul because they could perceive what he was going to go through. And so, you know, in, in, in their own, the, the natural man got in the way of the spirit of man. And this, the word given by the Spirit was correct, but the way they delivered it was faulty. They, they, they twisted it to come out as a word of wisdom. Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Paul, being led by the Spirit of God on the inside of him, knew that that was an incorrect um, word given to him. Paul didn't admonish him. Paul didn't say, you know, you're a false prophet. Because, you know, you, you've told me something that God has told me I must do. You've told me not to do that. Not at all. Paul just recognized that although the gift is perfect, the vessel is imperfect. And under the new covenant, the gift is made manifest through an imperfect vessel. And so, not always, but it does happen from time to time, that the prophet actually gets it wrong. And because they deliver the word 
they, they put their own interpretation on the word that the Holy Spirit gives them. And so they don't always deliver it correctly. And so in this passage, you go read the account, Paul just ignores this word completely. No comment is even made about it. They just leave Tyre, they go on to the next town. Um, because Paul understood that he was led by the Spirit of God, their intentions were good, but they just missed God. They delivered the word incorrectly to Paul. So that is now an account in Scripture to show us how this gift interacts with the church under the new covenant. Now you can see that when the saint himself is not being led by the Spirit of God, and a prophet speaks into the life of the saint and says, Thus saith the Lord. And the prophet misses God like they did in Tyre. They got, they got the word wrong. Then the saint's going to get into trouble if they listen to that word. Because had Paul said to his ministry team, Okay, guys, we're not going to go to Jerusalem because God's just told me clearly I'm not to go to Jerusalem, so let's change plans and go somewhere else. Paul would have stepped out of, outside of God's perfect will because it was always God's intention to get Paul to speak to Caesar. That's really where God wanted Paul at the end of the day. And he would, <laughs> you can take it up with the Lord as to why he doesn't just send him straight to Caesar. He did. God sends him via Jerusalem, via jail. Um, four years later, Paul gets to stand in front of Caesar. And I suppose Caesar was quite an important man, and so he wasn't going to listen to just anybody that comes to speak to him. But um, God, uh, the Lord wanted Paul to stand in front of Caesar and testify to Caesar. And so this is how God was going to get it done. So had Paul listened to that word given to him by the, the, the prophets in Tyre, Paul would have stepped out of the perfect will of God and he was stepped into God's permissible will and things would have gone a bit wrong for Paul. But Paul knew how to be led by the Spirit of God. And so Paul recognized, okay, they just missed it. I'll move on because you know I know what I'm doing. I know I'm being led by the Spirit of God. But again, the saint who's not very good at being led by the Spirit of God on the inside of them, if they are exposed to a prophetic word that is incorrect and they act on that, they'll end up in trouble because they now get into an area where God's not there. And so it's so important under the New Covenant for us to recognize the difference between the two prophets. The, the, the prophet in the area of guidance, the prophet in the Old Covenant had far more... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not authority is not the word I'm looking for, but a higher status than the prophet under the new. Purely because, as I say, the prophet under the old was the only one who got to give guidance to the saints. The prophet under the new covenant doesn't give guidance to the saints. He confirms guidance to the saints. The saints get their guidance from God himself. God uses from time to time, as he chooses, to uh, get the prophet to go speak into the life of the saint, confirming that which he has already imparted to the saint. The prophet under the Old Covenant got to hear the audible voice of God and so never got the word wrong. The prophet under the New Covenant doesn't get to hear the audible voice of God. He perceives in his spirit what God is saying, and so he can get it wrong because the vessel is imperfect. The gift is perfect, but the vessel isn't. And we see, we've seen that account quite clearly in this example that we've, we've examined in Scripture. And so, under the New Covenant, God does lead His saints through the ministry gift of the prophet. But it is under certain conditions. And that is, that the saint does not go to the prophet and say, won't you please give me a word from the Lord? That's unscriptural under the New Covenant. 
Um, and so we don't write to prophets and say, you know, please give me a word from the Lord. We don't get prophets emailing us with words of the Lord. We don't go to prophets and say, won't you prophesy over me, give me a word from the Lord. That is unscriptural under the new covenant. Um, again, and because the prophet in the new covenant can get it right, but he can also get it wrong. And so if the saint is listening to the prophet and he gets it wrong, the saint gets into trouble. And so the saint is meant to be led by the Spirit of God. God is the one who initiates the prophet giving confirmation guidance to the saint under the new covenant. It's never um, a prophet will speak into the life of the saint and the saint doesn't know the first thing about it. That's the first time the saints heard that information. Not at all. God always speaks to the saint first and then he confirms what he's already imparted to the saint through his prophets. They will then come and speak into the life of the saint. If God desires to do that, it's not always going to happen. Um, and so we never go the other way around. We don't approach the prophet, the prophet approaches us. And the prophet can only speak into our lives that which God has already imparted to us. If it's something we've never heard before, well then it's not God. Because God doesn't speak to the prophet and then come talk to us. God speaks to us and then gets his prophet to come confirm what he's already shared with us. And that's how the prophet's ministry, uh, in the aspect of guidance, operates under the new covenant. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point.